You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Hey, bless him, my man. Oh, you know he's dope. Yeah. And right now, you know, we're just maxing in the studio. We're hailing from East Oakland, California, and um, sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, you know, we're going to up you on how we just chill. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Terp Talk. I am your hostess with the mostest, Sarah Tokes, a.k.a. Terp Queen. You already know the vibes. Today, I have a special guest. He's back. I have Sergio with Cultivated Genetics. What up? <laughs> what up, what up? Thank you so much for coming back out. I appreciate it. Thank you for, very much for having me back on. Yeah, of course. Um, so what's been new since last time you guys came through? <sighs> Let's see. So I was here in November 2020, and um, so far so good. I mean, we've we've rotated a couple of different cultivars in and out of the system, and it's been uh, it's been quite a ride, you know? Yeah, I saw you guys dropped your smalls. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <sighs> yes, I would love to. So... First and foremost, I have so much respect for a lot of the bulk producers of cannabis that are not really getting the nod throughout the supply chain, which is totally fine. We understand that white labeling is a big part of the cannabis industry. What our effort of doing this whole smalls buyback program is with some of the cultivators that we are working with is to showcase that a lot of these bulk producers that are powering a lot of the brands that are, you know, doing a great job with the marketing and such. But the reality is there's a lot of cultivation operations that are not getting recognized along the way. From my perspective, I think there's a big part of the industry from a consumer side that they should know who their their flower was cultivated under. And, and this is one of those things, right? We yeah. want to make sure who we want to know um, the cultivation style and the tactics of of that particular brand or who, and who they're representing. I think that actually is a great way for a brand to showcase that they do care about their cultivators and the cultivation process. Because in the reality, you can give the same genetics to 10 different people, you'll get 10 different results. So, yep. <laughs> so showcasing... <laughs> Um, a lot of these uh, cultivation operations that typically do sell into bulk, that's what we're doing. So on our first go around, we uh, we highlighted Craft Farmer, Mr. Lance Guyon over at uh, Mercy Wellness. So shout out to you, Craft. Much love, brother. And uh, we're super stoked and proud to be, have, be able to get some of your cherry dosi dose bred by Tristan Langwinski at Midwest Best. Shout out to Tristan. It was really cool to see this whole yeah. idea just come to come together, right? Us as a nursery um, that got the TC moms from Node Labs. We put them in the nursery, sent the cuts to uh, to Lance. He grew them beautifully, and then you know we had Tristan as a as a recognition behind this whole scene too. So being able to put the whole supply chain in full circle um, for the community to see, you know, like Lance is one of those cultivators that has documented the journey every single day on his Instagram. He's just given out so much value, dropping knowledge like yeah. every single day. So that's the kind of people that we want to be able to showcase um, because at the end of the day, they're doing a lot of great work. And even if you do have a bad run, it's okay. You know, like shit happens. It happens. You know, like it's it's a plant, you know, and we always need to remember that it's a living thing and shit happens, like you just said. And and that's that's the beautiful part about it is you know, it's 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 not always the highlight reel. So Yeah, it's not gonna be perfect every time, you know, sometimes Last year's batch is going to be a lot better than this season. You you never know, right. but that's just that's just how it is with the plant. It's just about appreciating it right. and wanting to continue to put in your energy because then she feeds off of that yeah. and becomes so great. And you're able to adjust the the, the tactic and approach yeah. on the on the next run, right? Every good jeweler cracks a couple diamonds. So coming back, <laughs> I love around. it. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and, and, and this is not a shameless plug or anything, but we're just really proud to be able to represent the buyback program that we're doing with a lot of our cultivation partners as we start to move forward in the future. That's what we want to do. A lot of these cultivators that don't have a brand right now that is being uh, sold on the retail shelves, but they're showcasing 
this outstanding flower on their Instagram or whatever social media platform, well, yeah, check this out. We want to be able to get that into smalls, right? We're going to buy back some of those smalls, put them into a custom package where the where their their marketing and their branding is actually represented on there, along with the breeder. So yeah. that way the consumer can be like, oh, cool. I, I saw that guy growing that animal mints on IG. Now I can buy it here. That's awesome. You know, and that's that's really special to us. You already know how special that is to me because we had this conversation in the last <laughs> last episode. So that's why I'm like, yo, that's like music to my ears right now. Um, because you you already know, like when it comes to uh to white labeling, I feel like a lot of the times the farmer loses, you know, their authenticity when it comes to just like selling their um their flower just to be in another brand it's not like okay cool we're shouting out this farmer so it's really great that you guys are doing that and pretty much showing everybody that is making it possible to have that nice flower in those bags so that's it it's just getting the nod right respecting the breeder respecting the tc lab respecting the cultivator that way me as a consumer walking into the dispensary and if i see something that i've been seeing the entire grow process from i would love to try something you know if i have that full journey to me that's going to create stickiness and retention from a brand perspective yeah that's how i feel about um the cannabis brothers the payaso grow i've been following them for years you know i i love to see their stories every single time they go in they're so active on instagram and like i finally saw them the other day in store and i've never ever tried their flower in like the whole like five six years i've been following them because i could never ever find it never in stock I was finally able to get the Pina Grande. Nice. Most most fire. Like Beautiful. I was I was not disappointed and it just made me appreciate it more cuz I'm just like, wow, I've been following your journey for like X amount of years and like I see the the love that you put into the flower. No you doubt. know, like Yeah, shout so. out to the Corral family. Love yeah, you guys. Yeah, they're they are so fired. Yeah. <laughs> they can't, are. Wait to, can't wait to see that uh Dosi Lotto and Glazed Apricot Lotto bagged up with the Cannabis Brothers brag on there, so. Ooh. Yeah. You you got them some stuff. We did, yeah. They of just course, you out. did. <laughs> they just pulled out a phenomenal <laughs> crop and harvest. So congrats, guys. Proud of you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, the apricot gelato is one of my favorites. I last time I had it, it was by the Cure Company, and that was like immaculate. So I'm excited to try there. Before we hopped on air, yeah. we were just talking about the legend orange <laughs> apricot F2 male that um, that compound has, and that that was originated, um, I believe, from Capulator. And that legend orange apricot is something special. I absolutely love the glazed apricot gelato because she like dominance. The yeah. dominance of that orangey citrusy flavor is is just outstanding. And that's also representative in the ice cream man that the flower sample that I brought to you too. Yeah, crossed with the legend orange apricot and Jeffield gelato. I know. I'm really excited to try that. Like once we once we get off air, the what was it? The terpinaline was very very. Um, very heavy in that one. It, it smelled like a bag of oranges. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. With a nice little <laughs> creamy gas on the backside. It was nice. Yeah, I'm like, that's why like I I just cleaned my bong. So as soon as I get home, I'm just gonna like take a hit out the bong and I don't know, probably just smoke the rest of it, knowing me. <laughs> so I um I recently invested into one of those kind pens. It's like the herbal vaporizer. And you can actually adjust the temperature and stuff on there because I wanted to be able to dial in the temperature low enough to get a like a nice terpene hit. Yeah. Right. I am as obsessed with that thing. So it's you uh, enjoy it. Like my my experience with these like herbal vaporizers is it always tastes like burnt popcorn. Huh. So I don't like to like waste I look at it as I'm wasting my bud just for it to be like vaped and I don't I don't know. I'd rather just like get so, my lighter and I, just 
I feel you. Do that. all that. <laughs> Let me ask you this: How how deep did you actually fill the top of it, or did you fill it up all the way? I would fill it up all the way. See, that's like. where I messed up too, and it actually wasn't giving me a, like a full draw, like a full burn on it. So oh, I really? filled it up about half the way, pressed it down a little bit, and yeah, it properly lit up and and gave me a nice full draw, and it was a beautiful mouthful experience. And that's really where I dialed it down to like 340 degrees. Yeah. And it got just got this beautiful mouthful of turps. It was just. It was, it was what I was looking for, so. That's crazy, and I know you mentioned, like, you, you don't really like to consume cannabis that much, too. Throughout the day, I do not. It's yeah. more of a nightcap to okay. help me fall asleep, so that's why we were just talking about terps and which terpenes actually help me relax. And the whole education process yeah. of terpenes is something that um, I know we're, you and I both feel very strongly about the lack of education around terpenes and the and the actual expression within somebody's own yes. endocannabinoid system, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm talking to the terp queen, so that's yeah. that's the reality of it. Um, and that's really something that I was intrigued by over the weekend in Clubhouse. I heard about, um, you know, I guess Nevada's regulations require you to list the top three terpenes on the packaging. Yeah. I am just amazed by that, first off, because A, there's not enough recognition of the terpenes, and that's also going to help people not go in and walk and, you know, just decide on a particular product based on the THC potency. There's so much more experience behind the terpenes. And especially now when they label everything indica sativa hybrid. So, like, for example, even if there's a sativa that's heavy in, like, limonene and caryophyllene, that can still react differently with other people, like an indica. So when you see a sativa with like a 30% THC, that's going to psych some people out to not want to try that. But if the terps were listed on it, right. then they would be like, oh, okay, this would actually work with me because I know that these terpenes work. And then when you ask the bud tender, hey, what's the terps? They don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know, so it's like, personally, I, I love bud tenders. Okay. They are truly the face of the cannabis industry they are there like doing all the grunt work that we don't want to do i'm sorry like i'll be the one to say it like bluntly like that but there needs to be some sort of like course or certification for them to be actually like bud tending at certain shops or just dispensaries in general yeah because at the end of the day like cannabis is medicine even if we're self-medicating or just like medicating, medicating, there still needs to be somebody there to teach us. Well, I think we have to challenge the leadership at these dispensaries. Oh but tending is not an entry-level position. Let's just face it. It's that. not. It's not. And um, over at Catalyst, shout out to Catalyst, I just took a tour of their facility the other day. I met their community director, all that. And they explained to me, like, they have a cannabis college for their bud tenders because they know it's not an entry-level position. They start them at like a higher-than-normal hourly than what a normal entry-level position is for bud tending and they give you the tools to be like okay cool you're you're going to start off as reception bud tender if you want to work in cultivation we'll teach you how to get there you know and that's that's where it's done right and they have a cannabis union sure i didn't even know there was a, a cannabis, cannabis union a cannabis job union wow i was so like they were like oh yeah and like everyone's unionized they get 50 cents pay raise every six months and i looked at them i was like wait what do you mean like backtrack like six steps a cannabis union wow. like i've i've never heard of that and i'm sure like you're you're here like what yeah <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, it's it's trending that way so I'm, yeah. I'm i'm happy to hear that there is something out there already unionized and not that unions are great in every scenario but in certain situations they are and i mean that's that's awesome to see that they're yeah. taking the level of a bud tender and treating it like 
something that is prestigious and you should be educated before you start getting unleashed and throwing out bro science to the consumer walking in. If my mom- And did, you right? say bro science. So. <laughs> Chad bro science. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, the whole thing about going in and just trying to, like, I'm, I'm going to put myself in my mom and dad's shoes, yeah. going into a dispensary, right? They're in their late 60s and early 70s. Okay, if I go in and I see all these brands and, and I go up to a, a bud tender that is primarily a concentrate consumer, how the heck am I going to get understanding of what terpenes or what cultivar am I going to be wanting to experience? Because I just want to go to sleep at night. Yeah. You know, and the whole sativa and it could, you know, that battle is that's out the door. Everything's polyhybridized at this point. It's all just plant leaf morphology when you're talking about a sativa or, a, or an indica. So from my perspective, we got to go into terps. We got to start talking. What is a calming terpene or which terpene tends to be calming? Which terpene tends to be energizing? And I, I, again, I don't know what the answer to that is. I just see some, I see a lot of different reference points like on Leafly. I think yeah. Leafly has that cool little mm -hmm. five color chart that tends to be on one side, um, you know, terpeneline that is more energizing all the way to the middle is, you know, pine. And then all the way to the other side is mercy, which is calming. So for me, if I was just blindly going into a dispensary, not knowing what the heck I wanted, I would probably to sleep. I'd probably want something more calming with mercy. Yeah. So. And I, I think that's just, there, there's too much education that just needs to be done on Terps. I'm going to be honest. And we can talk about this for like hours and days. Um, but what I don't understand is just like, why don't they have something for when you walk in similar to like when you go to the doctor, like the, how are you feeling one to 10? Like, how do you want to feel on a scale of one to 10? And then they can dose it off of, okay, cool. This product may work for you, these Terps, you know, but right now, um, I feel like coronavirus is getting thrown around as an excuse to not hold these like education seminars sure. or just education PADs, whatever. Um, Cause we could do it in the parking lot. You know, there's, there's different ways that we can go about educating consumers as well as bud tenders and just everybody in the cannabis community on terpenes and what's beneficial for, for your healing. Right. You know, no, I think you bring a good point. When you go into a dispensary, <clears throat> What approach? Why am I here? Right, let's yeah. start with that. Why are you here? <laughs> why cannabis? Well, I want to sleep. Oh, okay, cool. Like there's a whole direction that I can guide you if I knew exactly like the type of terpings. But again, I think we're just chopping up about that one specific report that you can send in. It's almost like a 23andMe. It's called Endocana. Yeah, that, and it was EndoDNA. EndoDNA. Yes. There you go. EndoDNA. We figured it out. Yes. That that was a crazy report. It was over like 35 pages. Mm -hmm. And um, something that really stood out to me on it was that it shows you, like, um, just from my summarization of it, was, like, it shows you what drugs are also receptive to when it comes to, like, addiction. Because it says something about, like, cocaine, this, that, that. Sure. And then um, it talks about, like, the PTSD and anxiety. And it, it had five categories for anxiety and, like, what it categorizes anxiety as. Sure. I was just, like... Okay, yeah. and, and <laughs> I'm really very cool. interested. Yeah, I mean, it's going to break down specific um, cannabinoids or yeah. terpenes that are going to trigger something in your PTSD or your anxiety. And then it shows you what helps and like what ratios too, because it said like there was like a 20 to 4. Mm -hmm. And I know it, it was just all like examples, like right. theoretical, but it still had the ability to show you like, okay, X amount of this will help you calm down. You should avoid this. And if... The bud tenders are unable to do it, then maybe we need to take it into our own hands. And it's great to have something like EndoDNA to help us mm -hmm. go ahead and figure out what we need. But 
there's only so much we can educate ourselves when we go to the dispensary and then we say, oh, we're looking for something with this and this terpene profile, something lower percentage is high terpene. Mm-hmm. Then they don't understand, you know, then you're sitting there going through every single jar and you personally can't smell them. Right. And then everybody's like, realistically, everybody's smell and taste buds, they're all different. So something may be smelling a little bit more like a humulene dominant to like your bud tender versus you. Totally. You know, so that's why like just shopping for cannabis now is becoming the biggest headache. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like we're force feeding the the industry, or I'm sorry, the consumer to shop based on THC potency or yes. cannabinoids, which is a, it sucks. Like, how do we fix that? Well, I think you just touched on this a little bit ago. We have to take it upon ourselves to educate because right now there's just not a lot of education at the at the retail level. And this is for yeah. California again. Shout out to Nevada because whatever you guys did to get that three the top three dominant terpenes listed they've on always had that though that's legit they've and- always had that because my my uber driver like i'll say like three years ago told me about that and he was all like trying to school me on terps he's like <laughs> if you eat a mango before getting high it increases your high and i said no it doesn't <laughs> there's like point like what like point three milligrams of mercine found in a mango like right. that's not even gonna like interact with the mercine from the cannabis that you're smoking to go in your blood and everything. Y'all stop saying that. It's been debunked. Like, I'm just like, yes, thank you. Hashtag bro science. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's how, that's how, that's how the industry right now is just kind of treating it is, well, there's some information out there. could be right. could be wrong, but you know, how do we take it upon ourselves? And that's why we like what we did with our flower drop with the smalls was that we actually put a QR code that linked directly back to the website. And I had a full, version of the COA on there as a hyperlink, but yeah. I also broke down the Terps in a very visually appealing format. The top oh, three awesome. Terps because I want to know, right? Yeah. And if you want to know, more people want to know. Totally. You know, like, and that's how I look at things. It's like, yo, if I'm, if I'm this kind of curious and like I've been in the industry for X amount of years, imagine all the people that are like new to cannabis right. and that are like wanting to learn about it and like barely get their like feet wet. You know, like yeah. it's just, it's crazy. Well, let's face it. Even, even commercial um, cultivation operators look at a COA and it still goes right over their head because yeah. there's so much information in there. So if I'm getting confused by it, I know that the general consumer is not going to really understand or take what, you know, take the value out of a full COA. Yes, it's great that it passed all the, uh, the heavy metals and the pesticides. We expect that, right? But from the, uh, the analytical perspective, I want to know the Terps. I want to know the dominant or co-dominant terpenes in there because that's going to help me educate on what this particular cultivar tends to perform. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, and that's the, that's one of the, you know, the challenges right now is I don't, I could be wrong. So please don't hate me if I say this. (laughs) I don't know if the California market is required to um, have a a terpene analysis done on the COA. I don't think so. um, Because I spoke to Bel Costa about this last year when I had him on. And he said it's just an option. It's optional. And I don't, like, that was last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's new regulations, but I we both work in cannabis, and I haven't seen any terps on the which, which is, a, like, I think that's a lot. Like, I understand if you don't put it on the packaging, there's a major cost implication there. Yeah. I understand the extra analysis to pay for a terpene analysis is going to be more expensive. So I'm not trying to say that we need to change things right now because that's a financial impact. I'm not here to like, yeah. ruin someone's business model, but from an education standpoint, how do we progress the industry? It's education on Terps. And it's the actual perspective. Like you said, it was kind of difficult to shop for cannabis right now because you can't crack the, the jar open or smell it and feel it. You know, like that's part of the experience for me. 
That's the whole experience for me because now it's all based off of look and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to look at this weed that has been sitting in this sample jar for like three, four weeks now. It is crusty. It is just dry. It's probably all CBG now. Like It is just, yeah, no-nos, nothing. Like even like the... The crystals, the trichomes, right. just they don't they don't look good, you know. And then it makes you wonder, like, what does it look like inside that jar? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even put humidity packs in their butt. That kind of goes. I'm just. <laughs> we're, like... we're gonna open up a can of worms real quick. I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole for one moment. Is there's that a, bad? This is here's the thing. From the point that it leaves the cultivation operation and goes into the custody of the distributor, right? So that whole process, a was it environmentally controlled in that delivery? Once it hits the distribution um, facility, did it actually go into a humidity or environmental controlled area to preserve the terps? A lot of times it's just going straight into a turkey bag into another room until it gets packaged up. Yep. So <laughs> even if you have a great COA and it comes back at 3% terpenes, holy shit, that's a great cultivar. But how long was it sitting around for? Was it was it properly cared for? So there should, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm throwing ideas. I'm just thinking out loud, like how do we transition the, from the cultivator processing to the actual finished product in between like that whole processing timeline, how do we preserve the terps, right? And how do we make sure that that is an emphasis? Because a lot of times you can show me a 30% THC um, bag of something and it yeah. just, you know, there's nothing special about it. It, it just smells like, like hay. There's no, no, you said it smells like hay, exactly. I'm know? like, there's, there's no nose to a lot of the flower nowadays. And I think that's why it's so easy to just push it off to us right. with this whole like, Oh, okay, cool. It looks really nice. You know, it's high testing, but like, how does it taste? It's all about mm-hmm. the taste at the end of the day. Um, one thing you, you said when you go to the grow, it's all in turkey bags. Um, yes, <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I went to Clade 9 and the only thing they had in turkey bags was bee nugs and their, and leaves. So I was really like thumbs up to them for that. Because everywhere else, like I, I used to trim it. We used to just go get your bag, get your bag, right. you know. And then they had them in like some airtight seals. Um, like these cu- big like cure like, tubes, almost. They were like these big plastic bins. It was I've I've never seen anything like that. Plastic bin, like a like a Rubbermaid tote, like a big black tote with the yellow lid. No, it was not like that. It. It was like a spinoff cap and it was like just completely like blacked out so it wouldn't like the light wouldn't be affecting it so much. So like you were actually able to see like the nice bud structure and then all the trichomes and I was like, oh, awesome. Like you guys are taking care of your baby. Right. Like that's that's great. And then what happens after it leaves your facility? We don't know. (laughs) And that's like the part that sucks about cannabis and that also needs to get educated to the consumer. Because consumers will just blame, like, I'm just throwing out a random brand, like, Seed Junkie. Like, let's say, like, they get, um, because Seed Junkie comes in Mylars, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the Mylars break. Like, you know, and it's just, it's faulty packaging. Mm -hmm. It happens, you know? What, are you going to go and blame Seed Junkie, even though, like, he maybe needs to outsource his packaging, da-da-da, whatever? Mm Because, like, realistically, it'll be, like, XYZ distributor instead of directly him. So you're hitting up the wrong person with all this hate email, and they don't understand, like, the full process. Like, once the cultivator is is done cultivating, everything's done, trimmed, whatever, they're they're done, and they're Mm -hmm. on to the next, on to the next project. And then everyone else is packaging and doing the rest of the line. Right. But... I think we're just early. 
Yeah. I really do. I mean, I'm we're, <laughs> we're, we're three years into this rec adult yeah. use market, right? And it's, there's so many, there's so many call outs that we can say, Hey, wait a minute. Why isn't this fixed yet? You know, cause we're in it. But and, we've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And like, we were literally, we were the first state to go like medical and everything in the U S you know, like we pretty much set the forefront for cannabis use. Why don't we have our shit together? Like that is, that's my biggest question is like, why don't we have our shit together? Why is it that in New York, you can have five pounds at your house, five pounds. They wrote into their law at your house and you don't even have to have a license to have five pounds. Like that's intense. That's what I said. And I was just like, I was like, hold on, what do you mean you can have five pounds at your house? Like that's that's a game changer. How many plants are you allowed to have in New York? Six. Okay, so same it's, as California. It's, but you're not gonna get five pounds off of six plants. They, it's crop steering uh to the max right there. Yeah, like they, they know exactly yeah. what they're doing. The streets run New York. So like, <laughs> Interesting. Well, I mean, like you said, like we sh we should be a little bit more diligent about the process from yeah. start to finish in the entire supply chain. We're just we're just a little early on it, unfortunately. You know, there's not a lot of attention based on that because right now the consumer is trained to shop off that that number right on the bag or the package that it, that they're buying from. Yeah, and it's just how to how to steer them off of that number, mm -hmm. and um, I feel like that's that's difficult. But that's also what a lot of people be talking about on Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> is, is that um, you say the bro science. Would that, I, I'm pretty sure that would also apply to like misinformation about marketing is like bro science, cannabis marketing. Yeah. Just, you know, it's, here's the thing. Like I, I love Clubhouse. I've been on it since early January. There's a tremendous amount of organic relationships that, um, that have been built through Clubhouse and I have so much gratitude for it. I learn. I learn a ton yeah. through Clubhouse. And I also learn those that are just there to hear themselves talk and not necessarily be <laughs> spitting proper information that is, you know, backed by actual facts or science, yeah. which, you know, I guess it is what it is right now. There just hasn't been enough enough time or, or maturation of the process to be able to be called, you know, calling someone out unless there are those brave souls that do call them out in a respectful manner. It's like, yo, be responsible. Like there's people chiming in and listening from the audience because we are up on this on on stage. We had our hand up and they're expecting us to be spitting, you know, truth behind this. There's a, there's a responsibility to be up on stage and especially as cannabis professionals. Yes. There's a lot of people that are looking at these clubhouse rooms and saying, I want to learn more and I want to learn it the right way. And I think it's, um, I love Clubhouse personally, just because we're able to connect with so many different people in the cannabis community. I've met some great people from all over the United States now, you know, like right. without even having to utilize like LinkedIn, you know, I, I, sorry to people I don't get back to on LinkedIn. I have like 45 unread messages, <laughs> my bad, but like Clubhouse, you can just chime in and leave quietly whenever you want it doesn't show like when you leave a group chat like on ig you can just chime in and out hop in between rooms and just learn so much about what's going on with cannabis and not only california where we're at but in other states where it's getting developed mm -hmm. and then we can help them with whatever like tips and tricks that we've learned from the development in California and then they can like help us and like it's like it's the best community it is it is a I phenomenal it. community and it's growing rapidly yeah. which is great and you know I'm 95% of the time I'm just sitting there listening because there's a lot of great banter that goes back and forth and then you know a lot of great context that has some 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 substance behind it right and especially when I'm I'm listening to you know uh cannabis cultivation science speakers like okay yes you know like I'm, I'm yeah. diving in I'm listening 
And it's, you know, it's interesting to, because, you know, throughout, I think I joined in like January, early January. So I was just listening to, you know, CMOs and founders of these like massive operations, just chopping it up. I'm like, holy shit, like, this is, this is the real deal. Like these people are legitimately just sharing their thoughts and feedback and I'm listening. And then you start to get, you know, involved in all these different types of conversations and raising awareness around certain things that might be important to me, like proper sanitation on your tools and in the cultivation operation. Yeah. And you know, like there's little things that I would- Do you want to talk about in. that? If you're going <laughs> to clean your tools, clean them properly <laughs> with 10% bleach or Vercon S. That's a commercialized industrial type of cleanser because the hop latent viroid is real. It's everywhere. And the amount of viral load that is present in a lot of the genomes of cannabis out there today is high. It's global. And all I can share is like, you got to properly clean your tools. Yeah. And, and that's really what it boils down to. You can use a dab torch to heat, you know, the blades for a few seconds as well. But if you're just using isopropyl alcohol, that's great for killing bacteria. But if you're trying to kill a virus or a viroid, you need bleach or you need Vercon. So please just clean your <laughs> shit up. Keep it clean. Clean behaviors. What on, um, I know a lot of people just say to use like ISO and 99 just to, <laughs> to sanitize. Uh, Great for bacteria. Again, like yeah. ISOs, you know, I think it started with, you know, the trimming crew that was able to wipe off the, the resin from their shears with yep. ISO, which is great. It works awesome there. And then it somehow migrated over to sanitation and, and the actual protocol in the cultivation, which is not actually scientifically proven to kill a virus or viroid. That's where 10% bleach or Vercon S. And there was a white paper developed on this from Jeremy Warren at Darkheart. Right? Like that's what's up. Like there's scientific proof that you need those two type of um, cleansing agents to properly sanitize. Yeah. Like your blades sit in there for at least a minute or two, you know, rub off any sort of resinous material, give another quick dunk and let air dry. Cool. Like that's how you're going to clean your shit up. So that's crazy because like I mentioned, like I, I come from a trimming background and it was just like, okay, cool. Here's your ISO. Here's here. Here's this. Here's that. And I would be trimming like six different strains a day. You know, so now I'm just thinking of like all the cross contamination yes. and like all the finger hash that I smoked that was probably like dirty and contaminated <laughs> too. Well, you just brought up a great point. A lot of the cross contamination on finished flour. Yeah. There's actually been some findings that hoplite and viroid could be transferred from finished flour. Now, this is for, for you guys listening, if you're not familiar with what the hoplite and viroid is, it's like COVID for plants. It's literally killing. A bunch of different plants out there because it transferred over from the hops um, varietal obviously that's how it got its name but now that it's in cannabis it's literally it's, co it's also considered the dudding viroid right so it can literally decimate your your entire garden or a good majority of it and when you start to think about how it gets transferred it's transferred mechanically right so whether you have a dirty pair of shears um, I believe dark art recently issued a, another um, article about that that you can actually contaminate eight different cuts so if you have one pair of dirty shears and you cut eight different plants after that, it's still going to be present on that transfer. So think about it like sharing a needle with a junkie. Yeah. Right? You're going to be injecting yourself with whatever that, that person had on that needle before. Same concept with plants, right? You got the plant juice, it's going to transfer over here. And if that plant juice is infected, it's going to go to that next plant as well. So scary shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Is that, um, now is that normally present in outdoor? Or just so it's with cannabis in general, like hopsite yeah. and viroid can be it can be present in a in, in a viral load, meaning like the amount that it actually has in its systemic vascular system. It may not even get tested. It might not, it can just be asymptomatic. You can't even see it in the testing. 
once something happens to it from like a stressor standpoint, whether that's nutritional, environmental, or pest pressure, and it will flare up and all of a sudden you're just, you're just looking at your garden saying, why isn't it growing? Or why are these flowers like not really projecting off any, any bud sites? Yeah. It's like, what's going on? It looks stunted. Well, get your shit tested. Like that's really where it comes back to trust, but verify. Trust the nursery that you're getting your clones from or the seed bank that you're getting your seeds from and test them. Like there's a lot of labs out there um, actually not a lot, but there's a few that are popping out. Dark Heart just opened up a new laboratory in Davis, California, so you can get your plants tested for a reasonable price. Consumers? Yes. Anybody okay. can send in their plant material, right? And you can get it tested um, for the Hopslate and Viroid. Um, I know the uh, THC Analytical up in Nevada City recently um, launched their Hopslate and Viroid testing kits as well. So there's no excuse to not test and verify that your plants are clean. But again, this kind of goes back to the lack of standardization around the nursery space. People trust us, yeah. right? It's not, I'm not saying that you can't trust us. You got to verify, trust, but verify. So being able to kind of take, you know, matters in your own hands during the quarantine period, sending off a, a clone from each tray, whatever it might be to verify. Cause I know what we're doing is we're testing our mother's stock monthly. Every single month, every single one of our mothers gets tested, right? So if there's an issue, we're going to cull that plant. We're going to get it out, get the clones that were produced off that mother, off the racks and in the trash. So right now, like I said, like that viroid can lay asymptomatically. And if it, if it's there, it's, it's not present, nothing's going to happen unless a stressor hits. Well, shit, that's the reality of this viroid is it, it is so scary because you can't, you can't like not find it anywhere. That's the, that's the thing. So that's why tissue culture is also very important. Tissue culture revitalizes the genetics and you can scrub it out. And you may not get it out the first time, which is why a lot of these genetics or certain cultivars require multiple cycles of tissue culture to get that remediation of the of the hoplite and viroid out. Oh wow. I'm like, my mind is blown right now. I'm, I'm like, not trying I, to like scare No, 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 anyone, no, 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 no. I'm like, my I'm just like so I'm taking in all that mm -hmm. information. I'm like, I I just like pictured my face right now. I'm like Yeah. I don't want to be so doom and gloom no, on this no, no, topic, no, no, but no, like I'd... the reality is there's got to be a lot more responsibility on all stages of the supply chain. Even if I'm a home grower, like, again, like if I have a plant at home on my, on my backyard, like I'm not going to trip about it too much, but you know, knowing that I am using the same set of shears from last season, I'm going to clean my shit up first before I touch my new plant with that. Yep. Right. Yeah. So. And especially like, um, if the bacteria is sitting from last season and all that stuff, cause yeah. it's just, it's just not worth it. That's so crazy though. I, right. I love that. Um, and that's, that's great that you were able to share that information, um, with a lot of the home growers, you know, people, they do need to get their shit tested. Um, I see, I have home girls that grow at home and I'm like, why, why is it so short? Like, I now know why. Right. <laughs> is there anything, um, that you want to touch base on? We have about like 10 minutes left. Let's see. I know we, I know we went deep into, um, you know, before we jumped on air, um, clubhouse was yes. one of the, right. I know that there's a lot of a lot of great things happening on Clubhouse. The community as 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 an industry is actually growing dramatically and it's it's fun. It's great to be able to collaborate and meet different facets of the supply chain that me at a nursery level really, you know, probably would never have the opportunity to yeah. connect on, right? So what has been your experience with Clubhouse? What are some opportunities do you think that um, new listeners chiming in that maybe are new to Clubhouse? What are some takeaways that they can participate in? Okay. Um, when you, when you first start on clubhouse, I would say your first week, just dedicate it to, I guess, research to find out who you want to listen to, you know, and kind of like what you want to learn about. Because one thing that I noticed on clubhouse is 
you can go into a room that's labeled something that you think will be educational and it's not, you know? So making sure to actually go out of your way and just keep, keep digging. Don't, don't go for the clout rooms. Um, I'm not going to like name drop, but like I, I enjoy chiming into like high times and stuff, but like spending hours in rooms like that versus going into a small room to where I'll see like, um, Sarah, Sarah Kassam, do you follow her at all? I'm not sure. Okay. She's, yeah, she, she does a, uh, she has a media agency based out of Detroit. And I always make sure to tune into her talks because she'll bring on Pop Brothers, Dr. Dina. And um, just the other day when they found out about the monetization of Clubhouse, they Mm -hmm. brought everybody on and they were just being able to talk about it. And the way that they ran it is just like, okay, cool. We're here for one hour doing a talk and it's an interview Mm -hmm. instead of, hey, let's bring everybody on. um, Shoot the shit. You know, like shoot the shit. How was your day? Like I, I love the what are you smoking on just because I'm always so curious. Like... I hear the craziest names. I heard something like Tiger's Blood or some some crazy stuff. And they said like the bud was actually red. So being able to learn on that aspect and like people from Australia will chime in. So being able to like exchange, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like, just take your notes, you know, like have your notebook ready. And just, I, I feel like there's so many valuable connections to be made on Clubhouse. But it's just about like, like just going through and sure. we, weaning out like the good from... The real, I guess. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, while you're while you're hanging out, it's a great point. While yeah. you're hanging out in the audience, like, don't feel intimidated. Like, you need to stand, you know, raise your hand to speak. Listen. Just, like, I literally just sat there and listened for, like, a week straight before I said a word. These yeah. These are so much context. So many people to be, you know, I, can't, I, I love sitting in, in the audience and just looking at everyone's bio. And I'm literally... Like connecting with people because it's linked. It makes me feel like I need to beef up my bio. Like I'm just sitting there. I'm just like, okay, I'm obviously not good at (laughs) writing bios about myself because everyone's like so extra on Clubhouse too. And like that's that's another thing about Clubhouse that I'm just like, dude, we get it. Like you work in cannabis. Like there's some people that'll be like, 25 plus years cannabis veteran. Like, 20 times, high times, this creator of this, da-da-da. And I'm just like, okay, do we get it? Like, you could just attach your IG and say, hey, let's collab. But I feel like people are using it as a resume instead of just, like, this is a way for us to connect and this is what you know you're going to be tuning into. Because when I go to somebody's bio, and y'all, please take notes. When I go to somebody's bio, I want to kind of get an idea of what I'll be tuning into. Sure. Instead of just, like, okay, cool, I'm looking at your resume, but do you talk about any of this? Because when I tune into your room, you're not talking about shit. Exactly. Great point about bios. I really wish that people would take a little bit more of a strategy on their bio. Like, I want to. I only list the things that I want to talk about because I'm passionate about Yeah. I, I know a lot about a little bit of a subject matter, but these are the top three things that I want to speak to. So if someone's in the audience and they see that I like to talk about genetics or propagation, sweet. Like, I, hey, I want to ask that guy a question now we actually have an engagement throughout the process of people being up on the panel versus an audience member getting the courage to just to raise their hand and learn from each other because you got to think about it our, our time is our asset right so yeah. people are literally dedicating their time on this platform and for me i love educating but i also love to listen and learn so just kind of you know a little bit that i've learned about clubhouses like you said there's a lot of people that are just out there putting in their their marketing pitch down there and don't don't market unless you're asked to. Like I, I not that I dislike talking about what we do at yeah. Cultivated, 
but I keep it to a bare minimum and only respond, hey, tell me a little bit about what you guys do at Colt. Okay, sure. Like, I'm going to give you my high-level elevator speech, but keep it short and simple. That way people just don't think I'm up there talking about, you know, self-promotion. That's not what I'm trying to do. I want to yeah. educate because, again, I know a lot about a little bit in this small subject matter. And it's about being able to add to somebody that may know a little bit more than you, and then you two are bouncing off, and totally. then you learn something, then they go home with that Big too. Time. You know, and, like, that's, like, that's the importance of Clubhouse. It's just, like, get off your high horse, I hate to say mm -hmm. it, and just look at everyone as, like, okay, cool, we're all equal. Mm -hmm. Because there will be times to where, like, I'm listening to somebody on Clubhouse, and I'm like, oh, wow, this person's really educated. And it shows, like, they're new in the industry, and they're not even from California. And, like, most of the time, I'm not trying to be biased or, like, rude, but, like, I don't really take people in other states that serious when it comes to education just because I'm really cocky. I'm born and raised in L.A. I'm like, California, this is this is it. Like, Cali, we, we are cannabis. This is our culture. We were number one. You know, no one can do it like us. And now I'm seeing people, I'm like, damn, they could do it like us and a little bit better. We, we got to <laughs> step it up. Like. Right? And that's it. We're going to level each other up yeah. at the same time because we got a lot of work to do as an industry and as a community. That's what's so great about Clubhouse is that there's a lot of organic growth and relationships that are happening because we're leveling each other up. I know a lot about a little bit, so I'll yeah. be able to share that little bit to help elevate your game. And, yeah. you know, and I think that's... That's what's cool about Clubhouse is that you just have a lot of different people that are chiming in at specific times and, you know, a lot of great relationships that are getting built, too. And I love being able to, like, to help people out because they're like, oh, how do I get into the cannabis industry? I'm from, like, the entertainment industry, for example, you know, like, oh, we can go start a little private room and, like, we can, like, chat about that because there's the best part about cannabis is that there is... There is no exact, like, job title for anything in this industry because it's still so new. You know, like, I can say, like, I just do my talk show full-time. You know, I can say that I'm doing just cannabis content sure. or I just take macros. Like, who would just say, oh, okay, cool. I'm or like a cannabis mixologist, you know, just, like, things like that. Like, you could literally create your own career in this industry because mm -hmm. it's not, like, an industry that's been around for like thousands of years. Sure. Like the service industry or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing again, like you can break off and start your own little room based on this topic. So if you're in a larger format room and you know, you really want to vibe with somebody, Hey, let's go start another room. Anyone's welcome to join us. It'll be open. Here's the topic. Cool. Right. So you can literally start to congregate around certain yep. subject topics. So I mean, we can talk Clubhouse all day, but yeah. it's, just, it's, a, it's a super <laughs> unique platform. And again, great for the industry because there's a lot of a lot of knowledge being shared. A little bit too much bro science being thrown around, but, you know, just be cognizant. Don't yeah, trust everything you that's hear. That's why when you, find, when you find your room and the people that you want to follow, you'll be looking forward to tuning in. Like, if you ever see me on Clubhouse in the morning, I know you saw me the other morning, that I do that just when I get ready for my days. Like, sure. before my, like, before my Zoom meetings start, I'm just like, okay, cool. What can I listen to before before all this like right. craziness? You know, what can I bring to the table for? Oh, so what's new in cannabis today, Sarah? Like, oh, well, I learned this on Clubhouse. You know, like I love to be able to share my knowledge too that I learn. But awesome! I think that's it for today. <laughs> uh, is there? Do you want to do your shout outs and like your IG handles and where we can find you guys? Yeah, definitely. So shout out to the whole Cultivated Familia. We love and appreciate every single one of you guys. All right, you can find us on social media at cultivated underscore MG. That's C-L-T-V-T-D underscore M-G. And yeah, other than that, 
Appreciate you having me back on the show, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for coming by again. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on IG at TerpTalkCA, at TerpQueen with the underscore, and Haze.Radio. We have so much fun shit coming out this summer. Um, and yeah, I'll talk Terps with you guys soon. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.